0: Hello, my good friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabard. This is going to be episode 166, and we're going to do the readings for the uh, 29th Sunday of uh, Ordinary Time, the 29th Sunday of Ordinary Time. We're going to do the readings for that. So once again, this is episode 166. So let's begin with uh, the opening uh prayer or uh, the act of contrition okay in the name of the father son and holy spirit i confess to almighty god and to you my brothers and sisters that i have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what i have done and what i have failed to do through my fault through my fault and through my most grievous fault therefore i ask Blessed Mary, Ever-Virgin, and all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to please pray with me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us and forgive us our sins and bring bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kiri eleison, kiri eleison, kiri elision. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy. Have, mercy. have mercy. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you. We give you thanks for your great glory. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, the first reading is from uh, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 10 to 11. If he gives his life as an offering for sin, he shall see his descendants in a long life. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Lord was pleased to crush him in infirmity. If he gives his life as an offering for sin, he shall see his descendants in a long life, and the will of the Lord shall be accomplished through him. Because of his affliction, he shall see the light in fullness of days. Through his suffering, my servant shall justify many, and their guilt he shall bear. One more time, Isaiah 53, verse 10 to 11. The Lord was pleased to crush him in infirmity. If he gives his life as an offering for sin, he shall see his descendants in a long life, and the will of the Lord shall be accomplished through him. Because of his affliction, he shall see the light in fullness of days. Through his suffering, my servant shall justify many, and their guilt he shall bear. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. So let's look at this uh, passage of Isaiah, which is only uh, two verses. Uh, The Lord was pleased to crush him. In infirmity, uh, that is sickness, uh, pain, suffering, if he gives his life as an offering for sin, all right, he, uh, you know, sin, obviously Jesus is the sin bearer, the one who takes our sins, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, Uh, the words of John the Baptist in the gospel of John, all right, and Jesus is the Lamb of God. And uh, also remember uh, the words of uh, in the uh, uh, the book of uh, Moses, one of the Moses words, uh, you know, remember Jesus himself mentioned it to Nicodemus, just as Moses lifted up the, the, serp, the bronze serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up. All right. Uh, and then it goes from there in that, in that same passage of uh, if he gives his life as an offering for sin. He shall see his descendants in a long life. Those of us who are born again, those of us who are baptized in the blood of the lamb, those of us who are baptized through water and the spirit, those of us who feed on the body and blood of our Lord, will, uh, will, will see, his descendants will see a long life because we are born in Christ. We are alive in Christ. These are important things here. These are, these are important things that we should understand when we hear this passage, because this passage is talking about Christ, a salvation in Christ and the will of the Lord shall be accomplished through him. The will of the father will be accomplished through uh-huh. the anointment, through the Messiah. This is, this is important that we have to understand to see the passage of Scripture being fulfilled in Christ. Because of his affliction, he shall see the light in fullness of days. <clears throat> Jesus pleased the Father, pleased the will of the Lord, He and he, was, he rose again, and he accomplished, he, he shall see light in the fullness of days. In many ways, it's the will of Christ. Remember, Jesus himself was truly human as well as he is truly God. And even in his humanity, he did not want to die. Remember, he prayed in the garden of Gethsemane, but he was going to fulfill the will of his father. This is important for us to understand this through his suffering. My servant shall justify many. We are justified in Christ. We are justified in the work of Christ, the work that he fulfilled on the altar of the cross we are justified, okay, many who put their faith in him, who, who, who love him, who trust him, who are born again in him, born in both the water and the spirit, baptism, who receive his body and blood, soul and divinity in the, the, the Eucharist, the blessed sacrament. We are justified in him and their guilt, their guilt he shall bear. He bore our guilt. So, you see, all this is about salvation in Christ. And we are participants in Christ, in the life of Christ. Christ participates in our life and we live in Him. Everything we receive, we receive from Him because He accomplished everything that the Father wanted. This is what we should be hearing from the pulpit. This is what you should be hearing on Sundays. Sometimes it's a lot of fluff and it's, it's really sad, but they, it's, you know, it's like as though they're afraid of mentioning sin and suffering and, and they wonder why there's empty, you know, the church is half empty. If they talk about this, you know, the pulpit, the, the, the sermon, uh, It's like a catechesis. It's a mini catechesis. It's an opportunity for the priest to focus on these things. And they wonder why. Why we don't, many Catholics have given up on the faith. Many Catholics have gone to become evangelical Christians. Many Catholics have gone to join non denominational churches. Many Catholics have just given up and walked away from Christianity because they see the hypocrisy, they see all the sex scandals. And then they tell you to come to church. Well, you know what? Maybe if a lot of these ministers just clean up their their act. You know, a friend of mine was just telling me about how he went to uh, St. Francis of Assisi in 34th Street. And he went to confession. He told me this himself. <clears throat> you know, he missed church. Um, he's, he goes through health problems a lot. And the priest uh, um, you know, when he told the priest about he didn't do good in his diet and, and the priest, oh, you know, it's not a sin that you miss church. It actually is. You know, I mean, he, you know, he he, he was struggling a lot and he, you know, and it is a sin. But, you know, if you have a health problem, it's, it's it's excusable. But he just didn't feel motivated to go to church. And the priest said, but, you know, it is a sin if you mess up on your diet because it could cost you because you're diabetic. You see mm-hmm. how the priest focused on the material. Element. Not that it's not important for him. He is, he should focus on his health. But the spiritual is just as important. But you see how they they deflect and 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 they and and they put the, the physical. This is the problem. A lot of our priests are very, very materialistic men now. I'm not bashing all priests. But it is true that in a sense that they just don't talk about the faith. They don't talk about what's important in the faith. And they mess up on this. They mess up on these things. And when people don't hear the right things, it's bad. It causes a lot of problems. The faith is important. Christ is the center of our faith. Christ is the beginning the center and the end of our faith. He is the goal of everything. We look to him. And sin is spiritual death. It's a spiritual disease. It's a disease that affects the mind, the heart, and the soul. All of us are sinners. I'm a sinner. My friend is a sinner. We're all sinners except Christ. Christ had no sin, but he came and he participated. Remember, when he went down into the baptism and he came up, that was his anointing you are my blessed son, you are my beloved son in in you I am well pleased that that right there was the beginning and remember when John the Baptist saw him behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Remember on the mountain with the Transfiguration this is my son my son, my beloved. Listen to him. Remember what our lady said at the wedding at Cana. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Jesus himself said to the Pharisees, when I am lifted up, I will draw all to me, all men to me. Christ is our salvation. Christ is the Lamb of God. Christ bears our infirmities. He takes up upon himself our our sickness, our diseases, our spiritual diseases. And a lot of us today, as Catholics, we don't read scripture. We don't pay attention to the faith. We think that if we go through the motions, you know, rosary is important. Prayer is important. You know all those things. Going to mass, receiving holy communion is important. But if you don't know what why we do these things, why these things are important for our salvation, you know your faith is built on sand. Our faith must be built on the foundation, the rock. Christ is our rock. The church is a rock. The faith is a rock but you have to know why you know you have to know why and you should read the scriptures you should have time to read the bible you should have time to pray and you should study your faith read documents about the faith you should all know, you should know these answers you should, you know, you should know why we do the things that way when you confront someone, whether an atheist or an evangelical Christian who is anti-Catholic or any anti-Catholic or or, or any deviant person who's opposed to God in anything, you should know how to answer. And also, it also helps you when you go through crisis and, you know, Every single, you know, you should pray every day. Every day, ask the Lord to increase your faith. Ask the Lord to give you the grace to trust him. Ask the Lord to give you the grace to love him. Ask the Lord to open your eyes and your heart more to the faith. Ask for the increase of faith, an increase of virtues. Pray for those things. Pray for them so you can grow. And the more you grow, the more you could also be a servant and help others and you can bear whatever storms whatever crisis comes in we all have that i need it i pray for it all the time and i i, I also pray for to inc- to love him more and i f- often feel i don't love him enough as i should and you know he, you know he, he you know he will help us all of us we need it he comes into our life all right, let's move on to the Psalm. All right, Psalm 33, and the response is, Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. Upright is the word of the Lord, and all his works are trustworthy. He loves justice and right of the kind kind of the kindness of the lord the earth is full lord let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you see the eyes of the lord are upon those who fear him upon those who hope for his kindness to deliver them from death and preserve them in spite of famine lord let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you our soul waits for the lord Who is our help and our shield. May your kindness, O Lord, be upon us who have put our hope in you. Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. Okay, one more time. Upright is the word of the Lord and all his works are trustworthy. He loves justice and right. Of the kindness of the Lord, the earth is full. Let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. See, the eyes of the Lord are upon those who fear him, upon those who hope for his kindness, to deliver them from death and preserve them in spite of famine. Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. Our soul waits for the Lord, who is our help and our shield. May your kindness, O Lord, be upon us, have put our hope in you. Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. Amen. As in all the Psalms, it reminds us of God's kindness, of God's love, and how much he blesses us every day. You know what our Lord said that um, he knows what we need even before we ask him, even before we, we run to him, He knows every one of our needs and that that in itself is important that we have to remember. But he wants us to pray because he wants this desire, this relation. He desires a relationship with us. He desires us to express our needs and our um, our uh, our you know us to come basically because he's a, he's a god of a relationship. Christ took on our humanity and he took it on more for our benefit because obviously it's to our benefit because he's participating in our humanity but he wants us to understand that the Father desires this relationship the the Father desires this, this this contact even though he knows what our, what we need even before we ask him, he desires for us to express. He desires for us to, to come to him. He desires for us to for this intimacy. And this is important. And every single day we go through it. We go through all kinds of challenges and all kinds of problems. We go through, you know, struggle with our jobs, struggle with our friends, struggle getting through the day uh, and everything. But often we get lost in our, um, well, you know, our, our daily, our daily struggles, but what happens? We forget God. We forget he's with us. He knows, he knows how tired and how exhausted we are. He knows how lonely we feel. He knows that we're going through a lot of thoughts and a lot of temptations and anxieties about money, the bills and everything. But if we stop for a moment, even that moment when you're sitting on the train with a lot of crowded people, pour out your thoughts to him. There's nothing to stop us, right? There's nothing to stop us from praying to God while we're sitting down, even when we're standing up in a crowded train. But the important thing is that moment, those moments throughout the day, instead of getting lost in worthless things in our thoughts, we, we direct our thoughts to Him. We direct our heart to Him. We direct our, 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 our desires to Him. It's good. And if, even if, even if you need, that's why I think that having a little prayer book or something, you know, to give you a launch pad to say a particular prayer or say the Our Father and Hail Mary and then use that as a launch pad to talk to Him, to, 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 to direct your desires to him it helps a great deal all right let's move on to the next one okay the second reading is from the letter to the hebrews um let us confident, confidently approach the throne of grace hebrews chapter 4 verse 14 to 16. since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our con- confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who can similarly uh, who can who has similarly been tested in every way yet without sin. So, so let us confidently approach the throne of grace to receive mercy and to find grace for timely help. One more time. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 to 16. Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who has similarly been tested in every way, yet without sin. So let us confidently approach the throne of grace to receive mercy and to find grace for timely help. All right. So as you can see, uh, the theme, what has been given to us in the first reading. Now we're going to the second sort of like stage in the, in, in the second reading. And of course the Psalm here reminds us that God, the Psalm that was Psalm 33 reminds us that God is merciful and God is kind, and God uh, delivers us from death. Now we hear we're getting into this, obviously, Jesus being our high priest, being the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, being the one who takes upon himself our infirmities and our sickness. Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness so you see through the incarnation god has given us a high priest who understands our fallen nature who understands our psychology who understands our, our conflicts who understands what we're going through it's wrong to say that god doesn't understand us people often say god doesn't god doesn't know what i feel that's not true he does he does he knows he knows exactly how you feel how i feel how my friend feels, how my neighbor feels, how my mother feels, how my brother feels, how the person on the other side of the planet, whether Japan and Korea or India or Africa or whatever deepest, darkest, uh, exotic jungles or or just desolate places, he knows how that person feels. He knew exactly how people felt 2000 years ago. And he will know how people feel two thousand years from from our time forward, if the world continues that far. He understands how we feel, and uh, it goes on to say, "We okay." I'll read it again. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who can similarly, who who has been similarly been tested in every way, yet without sin. He's been tested. He knows our psychology. He's been tested in all forms of temptations that we have gone through. Yet without sin. But he understands. He knows what we have been. He's been living. He lived here among us. He went through the the social problems in his village, Nazareth. He went through, uh, even experienced what what. Being a refugee, running from persecution, going to Egypt. And then the problem of trying to get back home. He's gone through the taxation problem, the political unrest problem, the different crises he's experienced, you know, in his days. The, the, the social, political, and, and economic problems. The problems living in the neighborhood with, with people dealing with neighbors that, you know, maybe starving to death. And and experience experiencing economic downfalls when there wasn't enough food on the table. He knows all this. He knows all the different family crisis uh, scandals that families go through, sexual, abusive, theft, whatever you want to call it. All the different crises that you go through a family. He understands. He knows it all. He knows what we're going through. You know, and 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 he he loves us. He took upon himself our infirmity. Sin is spiritual death, cut off from God for all eternity. Sin is spiritual death, cut off from God from all eternity. He came to save us. Okay? He came to save us. And it goes on. But one who has silly been, okay, tested yet without sin, so let us confidently approach the throne of grace to receive mercy and to find grace for for the for timely help yes yes he knows he knows and he knows and he won us this grace he gave us this grace so that we can we can have an intimate relation with in relationship with god and god and we need to trust god let go trust him whenever You know, whenever we're dealing with problems, we need this. All right. So let's move on to the next reading, the gospel. All right. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 10, 35 to 45. I'm going to read the whole long form. Um, The Son of Man comes to give his life as a reward for, for many. Alleluia, Alleluia. The Son of Man came to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. Alleluia, Alleluia. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. All right, a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory and praise to you, Lord. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus and said, said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. He replied. What do you wish me to do for you? They answered him, Grant that in your glory we may sit one at your right and the other at your left. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Can you drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism which I am baptized? They said to him, We can. Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right or my left is not mine to give, but for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they became indignant at James and John. Jesus summoned them and said to them, you know that those who are recognized as rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them and that their great ones make their authority over them felt. But it will not be so among you. Rather, whoever wishes to be great among you will be your servant. Whoever wishes to be the first among you will be the slave of all. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Um, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder. This particular scene uh, of of them asking him is actually... This is told actually from the perspective, obviously, of Simon Peter. Uh, Matthew and I think Luke, when they ask, I think when, when when they show the same scene... It often shows that they use their mother to ask him to put one son on the right and one on the left. And Peter just skips the mom out of respect for the mother and points to the two sons as being the ones who want this. And if you notice, like he has it here that the other apostles became indignant, angry. That they felt that they were sort of like trying to gain power. Because, you know, when in the early days, when a king had some his companion, like say, like say Henry the Eighth. Henry VIII, when he came into power, didn't trust the established noblemen of the land, those who came from long families. So he went ahead and made new noblemen from lower class families so that he would reward them. And so they would wound up sort of like being obviously faithful and loyal to him and henry of course didn't you know of course wouldn't trust the ones from his father's generation because they were loyal to their social class well here obviously this james and john may have looked at this as maybe a physical materialistic kingdom but jesus is jesus is trying to remind him here that their duty their mission connected to him is to follow in his footsteps to drink from the cup that, to he, that he drank from him to be baptized with his baptism means to, to participate in the passion of Christ. This is guaranteed for all of us that we will participate in his passion. That we who are truly, truly dedicated and I'm not trying to make one better than the other. But we, we we participate when we deal with family problems. We participate when we deal with diseases. We participate when we deal with any particular crisis. Political, social, economic, or spiritual, or, or family. We all participate in Jesus. And Jesus is with us. We must pick up our cross and follow him. And to follow him in his footsteps means to deal to, to to deal with the consequences the consequences of discipleship. Here in the um he he makes it he makes it quite clear. Um, he says it here. Jesus summoned them and said to them, you know that those who are recognized as rulers over the Gentiles, lorded over them, and their great ones make their authority over them felt. But it shall not be so among you, rather, whoever wishes to be great among you will be your servant. Whoever wishes to be great among you, will be your servant. Who, even when you go into the priesthood or the ministry, if you're looking for personal glory, you're not going. You're going to be surprised and shocked. You're going to feel it. You're going to feel the responsibility of being a disciple of Jesus. You know if you using jesus using the gospel for personal gain to get rich to be powerful to have money surprise surprise you may get it but you may also pay the price for it um you know case in point we've seen the scandals in the church financial scandals sexual scandals you know you're going to pay the price you're going to pay the price but if you are really honest, you will follow Jesus, be faithful to Jesus, aware of what your, your your faithfulness to him is, and be true to him. Be true to our Lord. Whoever wishes to be great among you will be made a servant. Whoever, um, and he goes on, uh, whoever wishes to be great among you will be the servant, whoever wishes to be first among you, but will be the slave of all. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. That's a big problem. I think there's a lack of love among our, our clergy. I think a lot of them didn't, maybe they thought they understood why, and I'm not trying to be a smart ass, trust me, <laughs> forgive me for using that word, but I'm not trying to be. But I think, Celebrity priests, celebrity popes, celebrity um, celebrity people. Um, often, I think, uh, they get lost in their celebrityism, especially when it comes in the church. And they forget the importance of suffering, the importance of uniting yourself to Jesus Christ, to pick up our cross and follow him to To get ready to deal with rejection, to get ready to deal with betrayal, to get ready to deal with temptations that are serious, you know, uh, you know, uh, serious. I mean, you got to be serious because when you're being, uh, for you know, when you're when you're doing it for Jesus, you're gonna you're gonna suffer. The gospel is discipleship. It's real intimacy. It's real radical change in how we look at the world spiritually, philosophically, economically, you know whatever you want to call it, it's a radical change in us. And when we get close to him, when we get closer to him, and also, you know, be careful. Be careful not to let it go in our head. Whenever we're blessed with something, it's a test. Money is a test. A lot of things are a test. We have to be prepared. We have to be prepared and we have to be serious. You know, you know that's, that's the price of it. I think James and John... You know, they, you know, uh, you know, when when they tried to use their mom, because the scene was that they used their mom first. But Peter just skips the mom, pushes the mind politely away and says, I'm not going to say anything about you. I'm going to focus on them. That's what happened. And that's what, need. I think that's what needs to happen. We need to look to the Lord. All right. I'm going to end it here and let's move on to our final close of prayer. who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Saint Michael, Archangel of God, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wild, wicked attack of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And now, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl the world, Seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless, and uh, I'll be back soon, hopefully with another episode on the Bible study with Mark. Okay? God bless.